ऑक्टोबर which was quite into the when the pandemic had set in yeah. so we didn't realize how because we had the same routine was being followed from the very beginning okay so how the virus set in that's something we really don't it's a mystery no yeah. but we don't want to delve into it because what's gone is gone yeah and uh, like i said the corona virus was like obviously very new to us we the symptoms were something which we read about mm. and not heard about you didn't experience so, it okay you know this time yes okay you get cough cold it's very normal yeah. but is it that bad it's something that could kill you you know a cough cold fever yeah. or if for that matter even a headache yeah so i felt i got all the had all the possible symptoms like cough cold headache mm-hmm. okay body ache and uh, even uh, so it was like headache am i getting headache because i'm working too much or something like that so it didn't really right uh, i didn't really hit me until it got very drastic and uh, so the moment we felt okay there's something wrong something is not happening mm. right we isolated ourselves mm. into separate rooms but it's not going so we did uh, you know consider uh, reach out to our general physician yeah. we got ourselves treated yeah. for fever cough cold which we would normally do yeah. and we were okay within a week but after a week it came back again oh, and then that's mm-hmm. when my doctor said something's not wrong you will you would have tested so we got ourselves tested and uh, it it was my uh my mom had a uh, very high uh had high some had tested negative oh, okay nice I, only my dad and me had tested positive oh, okay. and the results uh, turned out much later mm. so interestingly before we could get the results the bmc contacted us mm. and told us that these are the results and this is what you all should do right. and uh, they also But something that really impressed me that the BMC personally took interest in our case, mm. and uh, I'm I was very impressed with the way they reached out to us right. when we got the virus and even after. Right. As a little later stage, so they reached out to us and checked on how we are doing, what medication are we taking, mm. who's our GP, a general physician, and how are we socially distancing ourselves at home. Yeah. do we have any health issues yeah. any health complications and what is our medical history and where are we based and uh, so on and so forth they did uh, speak to us for some time yeah. so much so uh, the bmc officials also yelled at me for <laughs> speaking on my mom's phone like how can you touch her phone and speak oh. to us from her phone oh they were like so, so monitoring everything mm-hmm. i mean to to such an extent yes yes okay So I didn't realize, you know, I'm talking to the BMC from my mom's phone, and I handed over because I was positive and my mom was negative. Mm. So how? That's why I'm not yelled at for that. Yeah. And you know, you do certain things without thinking mm-hmm. at that very spur of the moment. And uh, at that time, so my 
dad is also a heart patient so they recommended that we immediately get himself admitted mm-hmm. and hospitalized so it was difficult to get a hospital bed at that time yeah. given how the cases were on were increasing and it was so rampant everywhere yeah. so i did try on my own but it was difficult because i was also tested positive so did you lose your sense of smell or taste yes sense of smell sense of taste okay like so how much does it so feel like, like i consider myself very fit because i try and work out regularly yeah. so someone like me to even stand and brush my teeth mm. was very difficult oh my god i wow. couldn't stand mm-hmm. and brush my teeth very difficult you know okay. so i had to like sit and brush my teeth oh, that for that like me wow. okay yes yes so it was very, very i just felt that i have tracked some end number of kilometers or i have arthritis you know you just feel that mm. it has wow. hit your bones okay. so coming back i would like to say that i contacted the bmc for a hospital bed yeah. and they impressively they got back to me in half an hour mm. and i said i want a hospital bed in this hospital only so they said what if you don't get one mm. so i was like i don't know if i don't get one you let me know if you don't get one mm. and they got back saying we got a hospital bed in this hospital only okay so you wow. so i was quite impressed with that as well yeah. i didn't expect for them to try and try and tell me right. okay you come and they also gave me a point of contact whom i could reach out to in the hospital and that person was very kind and said that i am here waiting for a uh, waiting mm. as soon as your parents come tell them to contact me i'll take care of all the paperwork and everything right. and this is all by the bmc so that was very kind yeah and i've heard good uh, stuff of the from the bmc yeah, by the way like even yesterday we were on a call with zanaina yeah. and she was telling us that her dad when uh, suffered covid and she also gave us very good feedback from the bmc so yeah big thumbs up to bmc for doing a good job so uh, and uh, immediately they also came home to sanitize my place mm. and they took care of everything as well yeah. and uh, you know the, that point was i will also always look at that phase i used to always think oh my god these are the worst 15 days of my life i've had the most harrowing time yeah. i have this is the most the worst time of my life i have never seen a scene like that and i say that because my parents were in the iccu while i was also fighting covid mm. so it was a time which was very you were very helpless and vulnerable yeah. so but what i would like to add uh, the, about th- that i felt humanity is not dead mm. because i got in touch with a lot of people and one of them is this foundation called the prana foundation okay the prana foundation is by this very well known doctor called dr maryan nikam okay who i just got in to touch with got in touch with very randomly on instagram through someone and which is where the need for plasma mm. was needed very urgently yeah and she did she's the prana foundation is something which is uh, just started to help patients and people who are suffering from covid okay and they help they help you in with plasma place platelets and uh, right blood 
So I so I hope our things... listener is taking notes from Janelle because <laughs> these are some really important <laughs> things what she's talking about. Uh, where is this Prana Foundation? You said which area? So the Prana Foundation is set up by Dr. Maria Nikam, who's uh, and it is in Mumbai, and okay. they also have a branch in Bangalore, but they are slowly uh, spreading across Pan India. So this foundation is a very volunteer volunteer run initiative started by Dr. Maria, mm. and the donation of plasma is from those like who have already recovered from COVID, and which is where you know she also reaches out to the donor, and also to the uh, person to the uh, to the donor's family, donor's family and okay. the patient's family. Okay, nice. So the whole process is very smooth. Yeah. And what really amazes me that this whole foundation is not a money making foundation. Mm. It is done basically for to check that everyone is being able to provide the medical needs they need at a time like this. Right. And they not only provide medical needs, but they also provide uh, counseling mm. and see that the patient's family is also having a there is proper mindfulness given to this your mental health is taken care of okay. so for me it was very difficult you know to coordinate with all of the hospital the the blood banks and the and various you know there were a lot of logistics to be done given all of this right. and she would also call up randomly to check on me and how i'm doing yeah. But that was something I found that very interesting. And for they the do listener, not do it. I guess, for the listener, I guess, to avoid confusion, Janelle, at this point, you were at home and your parents were in hospital, yes. right? Yes. So that was the whole right. phase, I think. So I was in touch with Janelle back then. And we knew that she was at home alone handling stuff and handling the foundation and handling the plasma and this, mm. while her parents were battling it out in, oh. in the hospital. And it had reached that stage out there. So yeah, I I I just wanted to add on to so that. So yes, I, I, I do want this. to thank for my friends, my family, and relatives, neighbors, for being so kind and supportive in a time like this. Because that was something I would always I I knew they're there for yeah. me, but you know they they were constantly there for me. That was something which which really touched me. But uh, you know you're also at a time where you are trying to you you have to but being strong is the only option because yeah. you know you know it breaks you rebuilds you it breaks you rebuilds right. you and it's very continuous but i had this thought in mind a lot of people would tell me you know janelle you're the only child how did you manage something like this mm. we have siblings so i have you know i'm living uh, i have a lot of people around you how would you manage yeah. uh, all of this and I thought, always thought to myself, if you're at the bridge, you have to cross it. There's no option, yeah. right? We do not know how strong we are until being strong is the only option. Yeah, right. Because if you do not, it will just break you even more. Correct. Correct. So one of the things I went to in a time like this was meditation. Mm. So uh, Stacy, a very good friend of ours who was on this podcast earlier, she recommended that I meditate. Mm for at least five to ten minutes a day right and i found that very helpful and very calming also so that was something which was very helpful indeed so this was really helpful advice that someone who has gone through covid has who has shared with us and with our listener so that's really awesome 
so Janelle, one question. So I obviously li- uh, live alone, and I think it's a double-edged sword uh, because on one hand, because I'm alone, I don't have to worry about infecting, say, my family or infecting, uh, basically infecting my family. But uh, the virus spreading even more. Yeah. So especially when you're living with parents who are older, it's a little bit worrying that you may accidentally infect them. But on the other hand, I am all alone. If I have to, uh, uh, you know, get recovery uh, to do the whole recovery by myself, that is also going to be a very big task because I am alone. So, what do you feel on this? So, basically, firstly, I feel that living alone, like you said, has its own pros and cons. But looking at from the recovery perspective, is that one you are since you are living alone. you you don't not have to worry of what is being who is touching what item of yours belonging and how is it being infected of you sanitizing things continuously so uh, on a other note i for the mental perspective you should not worry or hesitate in reaching out that is for all those who are living alone because they do come back and think like do i have to reach out to everyone and tell them what i'm going through and uh, you shouldn't hesitate about reaching out to your friends family irrespective if they are stay within the same radius because you often wonder okay this friend doesn't live nearby would i tell him uh, how would the friend react and will he will he be able to help me so besides being help helping you in getting your groceries and your other uh, necessities what is very essential is getting someone to talk to you and have a conversation with in a time like this so i feel mental support is very important like you mentioned you're living alone you do not have someone to talk to and uh, so you shouldn't hesitate to call someone i feel okay yeah but like honestly speaking in this phase that like i knew you like when you had covid and all i just want i was just curious to know that okay you had covid how did you live you live in near the village side so how did people treat you were you treated like an outcast out there like were you like a leper to them were you like a someone that was like a castaway to society like what were people did people walk on the other side of the road and stuff like that because i've heard cases when you, it's india sometimes people do treat you like that and it's kind of okay, very so sad okay so to give you all a heads up when lionel said village i do not literally live in a village <laughs> so that is something i didn't take very seriously but uh, i'm very fortunate lionel i wasn't being treated as a outcast or a leopard and that is something which made the whole covid experience which made me feel so good because people are not treating me way i thought they would treat me like that mm. which is i said i said that you know humanity does exist because people would call up or even uh, call on check on me continuously if i had friends neighbors relatives giving me food and giving me other necessities i wouldn't have to worry from where i would get my next meal so that was something mm-hmm. I, and when they would come and give me my food or something i would be i would obviously uh, Men, you know, be mindful and maintain our distance. Mm. But they're like, no, talk to us. Tell us how you feel. Tell us how is everything okay? Right. How are you doing? How are you managing? So that was something which I was really impressed. 
and you know like i mentioned earlier the whole isolation itself is so overwhelming you are not able to see another human for the next 14 15 days right so just seeing someone from a distance and talking to someone is uh, even for a minute or two makes a lot of difference and i think that is something you should not refrain uh, from i wouldn't say go and talk to you know go and this uh, dismiss the whole social distancing thing but on the other hand to not treat someone like an outcast or leper because they are human and uh, they're going through a lot of shit and sometimes i also feel at the end of the day if you have to catch the virus you will catch it yeah. again no matter what you do and what precaution you take right but uh, right thankfully i wasn't treated like that so yeah. i'm very glad no but this is really good advice what you have given us yeah, but like sometimes will they take it my question you see a lot of nut cases on the streets nowadays also man do people really take it you know lionel when you're in a situation where you're so vulnerable and helpless mm. no matter what anyone tells you to do you will not refrain from trying it for your benefit if you tell me to do something could it benefit me i would not know until i try so if i try doing something like that so i should right so there's no harm in trying but then you were mindful of the others you were taking precautions you were staying at home i have got many cases or i have got many cases in my building where you have people who've got covid they've not told us after a day or two we've come to know wow there are incidents in my uh, brother's colonies where like you know there's a guy he's got covid he's got contracted covid at one point and he's gone for a walk yeah dude yeah and that's that that is that is where people are not taking advice and that is what i've seen they're the biggest idiots so, they don't wear their mask properly <laughs> they if they're wearing a mask the mask is exactly. hanging on their chin and the nose is uh, nose and mouth is exposed <laughs> like what's the point exactly exactly you have covid you're supposed to maintain your distance you might supposed to maintain the stuff you know that is my question guys that's really stupid man and you see this crocodiles man yeah you eaten had told me a very nice example long back uh, when he went to sarkari bandar eaten can you share that uh, example uh, so yeah so basically in sarkari bandar uh, what they were doing is they were trying to maintain social distancing yeah. and you know uh, there was one there was a limit on how many people at one point could actually go inside mm. so before anyone could go inside you had to wait in a line because you can't just go in and out as usual they were actually monitoring you and because of that they put a uh, circles on the they put circles on the ground intermediately you're supposed to stand in the circle and then just keep keep moving as people go in and out but basically there were some people they were just putting uh, they were putting their stuff on the circle and then just roaming around stuff like that they were just sitting in a bench and just talking to each other instead of standing in the circle yeah instead of standing in the circle right and there were some people who were very impatient they were you know just pushing in or something like that coming in yeah. just trying to get a little bit in the front so in the end the circles didn't really people were not obeying the circles or the precautions which was like a very like have you seen this uh, videos abroad where they see where they talk about these karens and these yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, guys who like you know will like the, they they have a mask and that female has cut the mask in between mm. like literally like that yeah. and she like i can't breathe without it this is what you hear from a lot of people when you question them like why aren't you wearing the ma- wearing the mask and they were like we can't breathe <laughs> with the mask 
because like I've mentioned earlier, initially in Jan and Feb 2020, when we would see people wearing a mask, the thought would occur, why are they wearing a mask? Is it that bad? Mm. And <laughs> now it's the opposite. Why aren't they wearing the mask? <laughs> Don't they know how grave and intense the situation is? Right. So that is, is just reached the, the other end. There were actually a few people. So what they were doing is, they were carrying around a medical mask exemption card. Oh my God. Which was not factually real. They were literally a mask which says that a doctor has certified that I am medically exempt from uh, wearing a mask under the Americans with Disability Act. And no, I am under no obligation to tell you what that uh, disability is, even if you ask. Oh my God. That's the only disability yes. that they have. Well, to not scare the listeners, it's not like once you've contracted the virus, you won't get it again. Yeah. Because I know someone who has got it more than twice. So, yeah. that person has really bad luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think also another thing is so, at the start of the pandemic, there was this case. Uh, what they were doing is if you got the. If you had COVID, they would stamp your hand with something saying uh, uh, home quarantine. Hmm. Okay. Are the airports, pe- I heard this. Uh, the airports, yeah. yeah. That was the airports. Yeah. So there were people who were getting that stamp and they were still traveling to their hometown. So there was one guy who was literally in a train. He was washing his hands. Someone noticed he had a hand stamp and immediately alerted the authorities and he was taken to institutional quarantine rather than home quarantine. Hmm. And you would think that... Uh, in the beginning, people didn't think it was that much a big deal and stuff like that. But now, even though we know how deadly it is, even though we know how many people have passed away because of this uh, disease, yet people are still not taking the precautions. And even if they know they have the disease or there's a chance they have it, they are still not uh, taking the necessary precautions. They are not staying at home. They are still like uh, going outside or trying to maintain business as usual, even though yeah. they should be more... They should be more cautious. The concept of personal space also is not there. That is is also very bad. Like, if I think from Eaton and what Lionel is trying to say, the concept of personal space and, you know, going out to meet business, just putting together because not everyone has the necessary needs met every day. And while they didn't have the sufficient income coming in, they really didn't care if I have the virus or not. I need to go to work to get the money to fend for my family. So this is what the thought process was. I feel for those who are who are really fending for themselves are finding it so difficult, and they didn't have the space also because the oh, they didn't have sufficient space in their home to quarantine or to social distance, and they thought anyways we're going to get the virus one way or the other. So why not, you know? make money while we can because otherwise that is there a, like again there would be unemployment that is there so this situation is primarily what we see in india there was this this similar thing happened in canada as well now it affected the healthcare sector or the age care sector in canada so you have these old age homes or the age care home to the listener and it's regulated but the healthcare workers at work over there are not nurses necessarily they're just like a normal uh, employee over there and they're usually migrants from philippines and all who work shifts and work on two three jobs mm. long story short many of them had were, were working in three four age care homes and contracted the virus and gave it across 
the aged care homes out there just to make ends meet mm-hmm. and at the end you had majority of the deaths i think so if i have to go to percentages it will definitely more than 60% of the people died in canada were people who were in the aged care homes they had to call the poli- the, the military some cases very sad you had the had a had a patient or the or the the aged care patient sitting on his or her chair and then the moment they moved the chair the body is like fallen down over there mm-hmm. and it was bad like and the main catalyst were people trying to fend for themselves but yeah but then at the end they are they are breadwinners jinal they are breadwinners what i think they are breadwinners for the family if today you you think of oh i am going to contract the virus anyway once you're dead and gone who's going to provide for your family that is also should be there as part of your right line yeah there is another category of very educated people who don't have to fend for themselves <laughs> but when you go to a general store or a medical store like I think 2 weeks back I went to a to the medical store to buy something and I left some space between me and the the guy the person in front of the counter I was like let this guy finish his purchase and go this other guy parks his bike comes from behind and just comes in front of me I'm like in my head I was just <laughs> thinking people don't have any sense of social distancing still after one year of covid they don't know that they still have this mentality in India where you know even if you're standing at the ticket line or if you're standing at any line <laughs> you have to push 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 so that uh, you get your job done fast just the race to get first everywhere yeah. matter in traffic queues or yeah. even at a grocery store queue because i have seen someone without a mask and coming too close mm. and that's when i question the person why aren't you maintaining the distance yeah the reply i got back is that if yeah. you have a problem why are you stepping out you should stay at your home <laughs> mm. so that ridiculous really is- replies yes yes but elsewhere i mean so these are so many examples of shit happening at our local level but even in the country crazy things are happening in spite of like for example in bengal where the elections are happening there are huge huge crowds and we can see i mean news channels are covering this we can see it on live tv that there are people in huge numbers wearing a mask just because politicians want to rally for uh, you know for their party but they're mm-hmm. not thinking of covid yeah. and uh, stuff like that and it's so insane to see these things man yeah mm-hmm. even at that uh, trump thing at the uh, the capital yeah when they stormed yeah. there that is peak covid time peak people COVID just time. stormed exactly. the capital you cannot forget the farmers protest as well mm. which is so yeah. which has been ongoing the whole uh, during the whole pandemic lockdown and there were a lot of farmers also passed away and while protesting in severe delhi winters yeah. they didn't and there were huge crowds wearing mask and in large gatherings all so delhi what i do have a few friends and colleagues in delhi and what i heard from them is in a state like that where everything is so there are a lot of political pressure and stuff like that happening mm. you know the lockdown was not majorly because of the pandemic it was majorly because of the rallies and protest where mm-hmm. you couldn't step out because roads are blocked i overall felt the whole situation of the pandemic was very different pan india mm. we not south east west yes. because we the political rallies yeah. the kind of population the kind of government handling it and the kind of approach people have towards it across India is very different yeah. even like Kerala the government is so strict and the kind of uh, 
kind of approach they have towards it is very different because yes. people like Kerala is one of the states which has the largest number of educated people Correct. and we could see it in the pandemic because what I heard is that people are being told upon and instructed at regular intervals and you know right. it was uh, they could see the results of it decreasing and increasing definitely and far as also the northeast and north where the population is quite small comparatively and how it is being controlled there and it reached a stage where if i'm not right well, megalaya and a few other states like the seven sisters but the population it had also become covid free after a certain point of time apparently in the northeast even this is pre covid and even before way way before covid if you want to enter the northeast you have to do a test and only if you clear it then they'll allow you to enter which is a very forward thinking you know which the entire country needs to adopt actually same i also so, heard with northeast and also small states which are like tourist attractions yeah. and which were building on yeah that is also it feels like india is you know a country with many small smaller countries <laughs> governing independently yeah. uh you know and especially with this vaccine situation which is happening yeah i mean uh, the story over there is very crazy you know eaten yeah so currently i think basically to give a view uh, to give an overall summary of the situation basically there is very rich countries are or countries which are fortunate to have a vaccine manufacturing plant like india yeah. they are in a dilemma so one on one hand they want to help the world and show brotherhood etc hmm. by if they have the vaccine by distributing it equally amongst countries and also by giving it to countries which can't afford it hmm. which is why you have countries like us and europe uh, contributing to the covax uh, uh, there's a covax initiative where the un is collecting donations in order to give the vaccine to people uh, to countries which are less fortunate mm-hmm. or who cannot afford to spend so much so if you look at the initial days even do, when the vaccine was still under development europe and north america were spending a lot of money to buy a lot of pre orders on the vaccine hmm. so canada spent a lot of money the us spent a lot uh, even us and germany i think spent money to actually fund the development of the vaccine yeah. so like that they are right. rich countries and they can afford it but on the other hand what if you have uh, lesser countries smaller countries like the philippines or say singapore i think singapore is a little bit singapore uh, is advanced but too maybe latin america or something myanmar bangladesh it's advanced in order yeah yeah so yeah, someone like a mexico that couldn't afford in between yeah so va- vaccine nationalism is basically countries are preferring to uh, take all the vaccines and fully inoculate their own uh, population before giving it to any of the other countries mm. so now this is like this would probably be like a good idea to some but if we want travel to go back to normal everyone must have the vaccine and if you allow it to fester in one area like Br- in brazil if it's festered over there yeah. while north america is fine then what happens when uh what happens when a brazilian wants to resume trade with north america mm. so that is uh, going to be problematic and there's also another but on the other hand you have another dilemma that in india uh during december jan we had the number of cases were very low and everyone was like oh we are done with corona we have defeated corona 
so in as a method of goodwill in order and also in order to give away our in order to build up our soft power amongst the countries mm-hmm. india had given vaccines to some of the poorer nations and also had exported it to canada but now where the cases are growing up and it's become exponentially very bad mm-hmm. they have stopped exports now so the thing is you you're in a dilemma do you want to you have to take care of your own people right. in order to maintain your power base and also in order to show that you're valuing your own life your own people's life as much as say a foreigner in canada yeah. but the thing is you also own a duty to the world because you want to create initiatives like globalization and make in india but when the world needs you the most you're just saying no we come first so there's that whole dilemma going on yeah, but how many people are vaccinated in india as compared to north america and all even though if we produce so much so overall yesterday i did see on the news that it was 85% india is the most of its population being vaccinated i don't know from where these numbers are coming so i cannot give you a source right now so if i look at the who right now yeah it's apparently india is one of the lowest it's with russia okay. so india is as close to uh 5.71% of the overall population being vaccinated okay okay israel is the highest because keeping in mind the population israel is to the close of 61% of the population so what what israel did is israel spent a lot of money to get pfizer and it also used pfizer as it also said that you'll use our country as a testing ground for how well the pfizer vaccine works out so pfizer not only got uh, uh what do you call this orders for the vaccine it also got all this country level data which you could then use to change its protocols and stuff like that so that was one of the good things that israel did right but if india is holding their population should be vax like you have, should have a higher amount of people vaccinated and if i have looked at the numbers of the overall population being vaccinated uh it comes to 85 uh, million 85 million yes UK yeah so uk is somewhere i think so uk is somewhere close to a little higher number so that's like 155 million people getting vaccine on on the contrary so yeah. yeah so the thing is uk was hit very badly and it was always uh, it has been hit badly so even in december when our india cases were down the uk got hit with the uk strain correct so uk has always uh, had uh, problems which is why they never stopped uh, the whole vaccination thing while in india we probably took a break because you know cases were less we thought we could uh, you know we didn't have to go as fast but now that cases are rising it's become another pressure again that you have exported 6 crore vaccines to other country and now you have only delivered 8 crore vaccines but in india you see a lot of people are also scared of taking the vaccine na like That's majority of the old people yeah what line is saying also initially when the vaccine did come out each one wanted the other to be the guinea pig okay you try get get the vaccine and let me know how you feel yeah so once that it reached that stage everyone initially when it came out and a lot of people did come back saying that okay i'm feeling good i'm feeling better i have no side effects and as times so everyone got to take it what i really i'm really liked is the how organized it is in some places the vaccine centers uh, booking your time slot your date and going for the vaccine on a particular day 
and the kind of care which is being taken as soon as you get the vaccination shot and uh, it is also made free and available to a lot of people and india is one country i have come up i'm not seen in other countries uh, i not heard from my colleagues but in india they have made it available to people across their across industries and segments initially it was only 60 years and above then 45 years and above now they've also made it a vaccine and a, a must for essential workers bankers everybody and also those okay. access and hdsc is yes. giving so their employees that way they are reaching out to everyone in the society and then people did feel okay it's not just the covid vaccine but for that matter any vaccine you would take you would get a slight fever or ache or body ache or that would be the you know as kids we do not remember when we did take vaccine as kids so it's just now that is all kicking in and striving and coming into our heads right. so and then it will reach a point that getting a vaccination slot was as difficult as getting a Justin Bieber ticket concert. <laughs> so everyone was like, okay, I want to... I wonder who wants to go for a Bieber concert. <laughs> so I reached that situation, I feel, because people didn't really care which vaccine they're getting as long as they're getting a slot for a vaccine. And uh, this morning, I read... This morning or recently, yesterday, I read in the newspapers that in some places... It's not to scare the listeners, but I feel you should be more mindful of uh, where you're, what you're getting into. That instead of giving the vaccine, they just they get given the rabies injection. In Uttar Pradesh. Oh my God. So you should be yes, the rabies injection, what injection? for dogs. Rabies. The re- injection for rabies, anti-rabies, was given to them. So you should be very careful and know what you're getting into, and not just be in a rush to take the vaccine, and because you should know what you're getting. Because a lot of people, I don't care which vaccine as long as I'm getting one. That is the attitude which I'm seeing. And, you know, also taking a fit certificate from your GP or general physician is very important because uh, there are in some places a scam where you go to take the vaccine. They recommend you to another doctor to get a fit certificate and you're charged over and above. So, and they do not know what ailments you have and what's your medical history. So, that was something I would really advise. There's a lot of scams in India, apparently. Yeah, after some time, you will have uh, Sony coming up with, like, you know, scam of co-vaccines, scam of this, scam of that, after Harshad Mehta scam. Like, every second movie thing will be a scam. Something will come up on Netflix. But I would like to tell our listeners, just because you've taken the vaccine, that doesn't mean you're COVID-free, because the vaccine is not 100%. You would still have to maintain and take the necessary precautions which you have been doing. Right. So I don't think so. Our listeners are sixty and above. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, the vaccine yeah, is not, it's, right it's now. It's education not. for your parents, guys. If you have yeah. to do this, yeah. Right. As as I promised in the start of this, uh, in the start of the <laughs> podcast, in the introduction, I said that Eaton has a nice question to ask. So Eaton, go ahead and ask your question. Yeah. So, uh, basically, what I'm thinking is one that. Uh, the vaccine is not 100% effective. It's around maybe 95% effective. Two, it's not permanently effective. Uh, after 6-12 months, you're definitely going to... Ha- you're either going to need a booster shot or you're going to need to get vaccinated again or something. And third is that it took. it's going to take a lot of time for the full of India to get vaccinated. 
and then after six, six, 12 months, we're going to have to redo the whole thing. So my question is, do you feel uh, that this it's going to be done by 2021 and by 2022, our uh, it's everything business as usual. We are able to walk around with the wind in our face. Or do you think we're going to have another 2022 version of this podcast where we talk about new stuff that has popped up? Yeah, so basically you're saying, will this pandemic come to an end? Or is go- are we going to celebrate another anniversary next year? Yes. I don't know, man. To be very honest, I don't know what's happening. But I don't think that this pandemic is going away anytime soon. And we we still have to face... Uh, we still have to take these precautions. We still have to live in this air quotes fear for some couple of more months to come. That's what I think. To begin with, what I feel is celebrating an anniversary is not something any of us look forward to. Yeah. And we would, wouldn't want to. Who would want to look something <laughs> like this? But what I feel, it, the, it should in, the intensity of it should lessen. And it should not be so grave as it is currently. And uh, given the time frame we have, and we have already spent a year in lockdown. So I'm sure our people know what should and shouldn't be done. Mm. The precautions that should be taken. And I also feel gradually people, they are being more educated in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, dealing in a situation like this, because, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not every time we have seen a world come to a standstill and everything being under lockdown. So, you know, when you first encountered something like that, you were like, okay, I do not know what to do. But now... 20, March 21, we know what to do mm. and uh, we are more aware of the, of things around us, I feel. So that being aware, I feel, is definitely going to be helpful for the coming year. Right. If 2021 is going to be another COVID year, what have you learned from the last year that you can implement this year? What is that one thing if you have to choose? So it's very, uh, sorry, I cannot choose one thing. I have two things in mind. One is being grateful for what you have. Mm. There are a lot of times we take a lot of things for granted and we feel okay, you know. uh, But I feel that being grateful for what you have, even with your food, your friends, your having a job or having... uh, a lot of times, like we, I know we complained so shamelessly at <laughs> in the beginning of the series that, oh my God, the office pressure is so bad. But at the end of it, we're so grateful to even be working right now in a situation like this. So being grateful for what I have, I feel it's very important. And secondly, I really understood the phrase so well, as they say, humans are adaptive and life is more flexible than what we think. We always read this in a lot of books and okay, you know, change is constant, humans are adapted, we can adjust to any situation. But this is where the whole was put, the whole thing was put to test and we've seen how adaptive we could be. You know, like the whole feeling of fear and uncertainty in, this, in the initial phase of lockdown would be like, how could we even stay at home for that long? Like we know we are social animals. We love going out and meeting people and spending time, you know, post work or on weekends. And, uh, you know, if there was a time where we couldn't uh, 
meet our friends for two weeks or three weeks and we're like how could we we have to go out i have to step out and we would go out and do it and imagine being in a situation where you cannot move out of the house like you think how could i even do something like this i am not the person to stay at home i want to move out i want to meet my friends you know socialize travel right and when you are right. forced to be in a situation like that there's no way out and yeah. we could survive and we have survived so well so that's really a pattern of back i feel for all of us yeah. uh so edgar i think if you're talking about learnings mm. uh i think the biggest learning which we all should take away from this pandemic is probably not to eat bats not eat bats who eat bats yes <laughs> some chinese people i guess we don't have a chinese audience eaten <laughs> okay fine so another what thing is, is your also, learning the, what is your one takeaway yeah. okay i actually have multiple takeaways like janel so before you start complaining <laughs> so i think one takeaway is that we should always look for opportunity in crisis so during this period of a uh, lot of chaos etc yeah. the stock market fell down and during that time even if you could have purchased like any stock mm. and eventually it would have recovered so one trend is that and also there so there are a lot of trends that's a financial trip tip yeah that's a financial tip and you have this this is around the world basically retail investors they have nothing to do they are bored so what they are doing is they are going into the stock market and they are pushing the valuations up so that is one uh, that is one important point always look for opportunity in crisis another point i would also say is that you should all you should decide about uh, the company you are working for so like uh, like janel and so like janel and lionel mentioned their company gave them some benefits etc but on my end my company it did not probably do as much as it could mm. it did not give us uh, any uh, stipend for furniture or any stipend for internet so because of that we still have a lot of people who are using uh, mobiles etc and their connection is not that great and if we look around also there are a lot of jobs where anyone would be like very happy to take like in goldman in goldman sachs or in deloitte etc where you work very huge you work a lot of hours but at the end of the day you have all this other stuff like you can go drinking you have you can network with people which used to make it uh, well worth the additional hassles of working in such companies but nowadays yeah afwa phaila raha hai deloitte ke upar yeah but now what's happening is you have a lot of people who are actually complaining about it saying we are first year bankers we don't want to work in insane amount of hours um without going into the office without any form of uh, you know recreation or some stress relief and even in my office there i know at least two people who had to work insane amount of hours and because of that they just decided to leave they just said they are working so many hours we don't have the chai breaks or the ice breakers or whatever so the takeaway is the game the takeaway is decide what type of organization you want uh, to work for and whether you actually should give your full loyalty to your company after what how they treated you during the pandemic covid pandemic okay yeah and what about you lionel if i can challenge you to sum it up in a few lines 
<laughs> I'll sum it up in one. It's basically uh, learning to do things by yourself. Like the great uh, Prime Minister said. I, I can't pronounce it well. Atmanirpar. Yeah. So what I learned in this pandemic is how to cook at home. How to cook certain things. How do you have different types of onion cuts or whatever. That is one thing. Being independent. Second thing would be like... Yeah, mainly being independent. And when it comes to time to your organization and all, it's how do you do work in a quicker way and a smarter way. Thirdly, you should, uh, though I have not followed this practice, which I wish to start right now, is maintaining uh, a good physical balance. Like, you know, let's say, for example, you need to exercise at home as well. Many of us have put on weight and I have put on a lot of weight during this. It's, It's affected me to a great level in certain times where I just walk to a normal uh, place for another three kilometers or whatever or whatever or like 3000 steps to this uh, place where I have to buy vegetables I come back panting whereas to go and walk over there on a daily basis to capture it so the health health and self-sufficient and and being uh, like you know how to manage work time and everything is the main thing which I learned during which I would like to learn in certain aspects or which uh, I kind of want to focus more during this pandemic okay yeah. and if i may add if i may add also lionel's all you know eating and stuff like that and not working out has also affected his marriage prospects so that <laughs> that's not that's expe- <laughs> affected my marriage prospects it has. people will love this is going on this is getting cut huh? this is getting, this <laughs> not even lionel on bdsm <laughs> promoting themselves for marriage prospects <laughs> people love the sugar daddy man <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add I just want to add that uh, you know and tell the listeners that we basically do not know how capable we are of certain things until we have pushed ourselves beyond the boundaries we have all created for ourselves so that will be very helpful and uh, thank you Edgar over to you okay so that's all folks thank you very much for listening we appreciate you we look forward to seeing you in the next episode and a big thanks to Janelle for taking out time and you know attend I mean coming on this podcast and giving us her point of view on on how she's dealt with COVID how she's fought through it so thank you very much Janelle and we'll see you all in the next one thank you everyone bye bye guys how do we stop this how do we make it go what is the process easy get a bunch of people with some candles listen now close here comes the catchy chorus oh, better not. Oh, better not.